Thank you, praise team, for leading us in our singing in church. Thank you for your generosity in giving to support the Thanksgiving basket ministry. Uh, We have nearly 40 individual families who will be blessed through this ministry, and then also uh, many people who are involved with the Life Challenge ministry that our church is often doing things with. Uh, so they will receive blessing through this as well. So thank you for your generosity and giving to that. Please turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 100, if you will. As you're turning there, I just want to draw something to your attention. Uh, our women's ministry will be doing a dinner for eight uh, in early December. And if you're interested in that, there is a sign-up over here in the area outside the music suite. So uh, if you're interested in being involved with a dinner for eight, you'll want to Go out the doors here and sign up over here. You have a few weeks to be part of that, to sign up for that, and then you will enjoy fellowship with other ladies from our church. Psalm chapter 100. Is it just me, or is everything Christmas happening sooner on the calendar these days, right? Like, it seems like it's a race to who, for who can get their Christmas lights up first. And I'll tell you, I never win that competition. But even on our street, we have multiple people with, all, with their Christmas lights already up. Stores, decorations, music, apparently Christmas season is already here. And this year, I've noticed that a lot of people have opinions on this. And you know it's 2022 when the searching for and the creation and the being entertained by memes is popular. Have you seen any of these memes recently? This is my favorite. Well, Christmas is a great season, right? Emmanuel, God with us, but Thanksgiving is a great season too. In fact, just as God is perpetually with us for those who are in Christ, we are to perpetually give thanks for who God is and for what he has done. So today we're going to turn our heart's attention to Psalm chapter 100, which may be the second most popular psalm in the Psalter, next only to Psalm 23. Would you stand together as we read God's word? Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are the people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Lord, that is the testimony of our hearts, that you are good, that your steadfast love endures forever, and that your faithfulness is for all generations. And God, we are the recipients of your grace. So we come today to say thank you and to worship you, to praise your name because of who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. And you may be seated. Interestingly, there are numerous psalms that deal with the idea of giving thanks to God. There is a whole genre of psalms called thanksgiving psalms. But this is the only psalm when you have the scribe at a title there that says a psalm for giving thanks. That's where we are today, a psalm for giving thanks. This psalm is widely regarded as one that would have been sung by by worshipers as they entered the temple. Others imagine a priest standing there at the temple gates, the temple courts, and, and inviting worshipers to come and to give their thanks and to give their praise to the one true and living God. And we're gonna key in on this in a few minutes, but notice that opening line there, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Now we should note that this psalm has been used in liturgies throughout history. In the Anglican tradition, this psalm has a title of the jubilate, meaning to be joyful, which at some level I find a little bit humorous because, frankly, Anglican churches don't have the reputation of being an overly joyful service, a very high church service. However, when we consider the theological ramifications of what this psalm is saying and of who our God is, of course it is a cause for rejoicing, and of course it is a cause for giving God thanks and giving God praise. And while in the Old Testament this psalm had specific application for Israel, the reformers, many of them, especially Calvin and Luther, also pointed out that there is a prophetic expansion happening here, right? They are, the psalmist here is even envisioning a day when the Lord Jesus Christ would have completed his work and that the gospel would go to all nations and the church would be gathered from the four corners of the earth, from all peoples and all tribes and all would come and bow down before the one true and living king. Now, Interestingly, we need to understand that in the Hebrew language, the concepts of giving thanks and praising God are very closely related. In fact, there is a Hebrew word that could be translated thanksgiving in one context and praise in a different context. So they are closely connected, and we can understand that. So often when we do prayer requests or when we uh, offer God our, our prayers of adoration, we say, Lord, we thank you for this, or we praise you for this, and we say the same we're saying it about the same thing. Because we give thanks, we praise God for who he is and for what he has done. So yes, this is a psalm for thanksgiving, yet in a real sense, it is a psalm for praising God as well. Now overall, the psalm isn't overly difficult to understand. It's made up of multiple imperatives. Imperatives like make or serve or come or know or enter or give or bless. These are commands that we are called to obey. Commands that God's people are, are instructed to heed. Additionally, these imperatives are grounded by some foundations for why we do these things. So we have uh, verses three and five giving us the foundations for why we are to approach God, why we are to give thanks, why are we to bless his name. So I want us to start there. First thing, give thanks because of who God is. Give thanks because of who God is. Now notice there in verse three, know that the Lord, he is God. We give thanks because the Lord is our God. He is God. So often we use those terms Lord and God interchangeably, don't we? 
Sometimes we speak of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord. Lord, we thank you. We, we have Jesus in mind there. Sometimes we think of God as the Father. Both are God, they're, right? They're connected, the, tr- the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons of the same essence. But in the Hebrew, that word Lord there refers to his covenant name. The name which he revealed himself to his people, to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, the name Yahweh. We might think of this as his personal name. The name that he gave to his people who would be called by his name. So we have then, you know, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, make a joyful noise to the Lord, to Yahweh all the earth. And then in verse 3, know that the Lord, Yahweh, he is God, different word, Elohim. The term Elohim is a general word for, or general term for God, the title God. But in different contexts, it could be used of the one true and living God, or it could be used of a pagan, lowercase g, God. So essentially, what the psalmist is saying is, hey, know this, the Lord, Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel, is the God, is the one true God. That's what he's saying to the people. Our God is the true God. Now, this name focuses on God's glorious nature, his holiness, his covenant faithfulness, his eternality, his loving kindness. In fact, the Israelites understood God's covenant name to be so holy that they would not pronounce it. I think about this oftentimes because if you listen to the radio for the past two years, there's all sorts of songs that say Yahweh in it, right? All sorts of songs that use that. But the, for, the, for the Jews in this culture at this time and even today, they would never say that name out loud. It was too holy. And even when they wrote that name, the scribes would write that name in the scriptures as they make manuscript copies. They would wash themselves and wipe off the pen every time they would use that name or every time they would write that name. They wouldn't say this name because they understood that God is so holy and so exalted they would not use that name. But here what we see is that we are to know that the Lord, the one, the triune God, the one true living God, is the only God. He is the true God. Now the imperative here is to know the true God. In other words, if we are to praise him, if we are to thank him, then we must know him. What does that mean? It means that the worship of God is not merely an emotional activity. Yes, it includes the emotions, but we can't truly worship the one true and living God unless we know the one true and living God. In other words, genuine worship of God necessarily involves the mind. Necessarily. When our minds are filled with truth of who God is, then our emotions are stirred. And we give thanks and we praise God him. So in verse three, we learn there are a few important things about this one true and living God. It is he who made us and we are him. Now there could be two different ideas being communicated here. It is he who made us. This could be a reference to the fact that he is the creator God, that he is the one who created all things. And because he created all things, he has ownership of all things and he is deserving of all glory. That could be one aspect. And, and we understand that to be true, right? Like our God is the creator God. 
And because he created all things, we are to worship him. But there is another aspect that could be true as well. This is being a reference to God creating the people of Israel, his people. Michael Wilcock, a commentator, theologian on the Psalms, suggests that when God met with his people and gave them the law at Sinai after he had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. This is the reference to he made us. We are his people. Now this likely seems likely because of the shepherd, sheep, and pasture illustration or metaphors that are being used in the text. So often when we think of the shepherd and the sheep, illustrations or metaphors in the text we think of God and his people God and his love his care his tenderness his compassion for his people he made us and we are his now understood this way friends it's not just that God is the creator who may or may not have a real connection to his creation right that's what the deist would suggest but that God is the creator and the redeemer of his people. Isn't this what we see in the Exodus? God redeeming his people out of slavery in Egypt. And more importantly, friends, isn't this what we see in the Lord Jesus Christ? God redeeming his people from slavery to sin, calling them to himself. Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 6, you have been bought with a price, So glorify God with your body. Of the new covenant, but using old covenant language, Peter writes, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Now listen, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We're his. He created us. And we are his. And he's done everything to bring us into relationship with him. Peter likens this God's special relationship with Israel in the Old Testament to the church today, those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So one reason that we give thanks to God and one reason that we praise God is because of the salvation he gives in Jesus Christ, because of the life, because of the love that is found in Jesus Christ. Now we turn here to verse five, which is the second grounding for the worship, the praise, the thanks to God. And in verse five, continues to describe God. We should give thanks to God and praise him because he is good. For he, for the Lord, is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Now, so God is good. Now, mostly, everyone would think, well, of course, if you're gonna have a God, you want him to be good, right? But hear me say this. This was not readily understood by the pagan nations. They didn't believe that their gods were, quote, good. Their gods were vengeful. They were self-centered. They were moody. They were difficult to please. They didn't go around thinking, oh, our God is good. You know, the God of the sea or the God of the stars or the God of whatever it is. That God is good. That wasn't in their vocabulary. In fact, Scripture Scripturally speaking, and we know this even from the New Testament in conversations with Jesus, we understood that only God is good. 
But this was, the, this was the picture of the people of God had of the one true and living God, that he is good, that everything he does is good. That's why the psalmist says, Lord, you are good and all that you do is good, so teach me your statutes. In other words, teach me your ways because your ways are perfect, because your ways are good. We want to be connected to you because of who you are, because you are good. He's always good. But not only that, we should give thanks to God and praise him because he is loving, right? First John Chapter four, verse eight, God is love. And if God was not love, then there would be no basis for his steadfast love that endures forever. There'd be no basis for that. If God was not love, then how could the psalmist say your steadfast love endures forever? And to the initial readers, God's steadfast love would be revealed in his covenants to his people. But to us, the church, We understand that those covenants are all fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Davidic king who reigns on the throne of God forever. And this love takes us back to redemption in Jesus and redemption through his blood. 1 John 4, 10, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our Sins. In other words, we know love because we know God, and we know God has done this. Jesus Christ has taken on flesh. And Jesus Christ lived the perfect life, which enabled him to die a sinner's death on the cross in our place. Propitiation, God pouring out his wrath, appeasing the wrath of God in Christ on our behalf so that we might experience his grace, we might experience his kindness, we might experience his forgiveness, right? The creature rebels against the creator. The creation falls into spiritual death under God's judgment and unable to justify itself, unable to free itself or make itself right, but the God of love steps in and becomes as his creation. He takes on flesh, right? And it's now through the finished work of Jesus Christ and our faith connection to him that fallen creation is made spiritually alive. It's through Jesus Christ that we have relationship with God and experience his steadfast love forever, freed from the wrath of God, right? Because Jesus paid it all and given his perfect righteousness. We praise God for what he has done, right? That's connected to the end of verse five there, right? God is faithful, always. He finishes what he promised. He finishes what he started and he does what he says he will do. So we give thanks and we praise him because his faithfulness endures to the end, always. But the psalmist also instructs us on how we are to praise or how we are to give thanks to him. So we won't spend a ton of time on any of these, but I wanna mention what the psalmist commands. So the second main emphasis this morning is give thanks with your whole being. Give thanks with your whole being. So here we turn our attention to verses one and two and then in verse four. And the first imperative is to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Elsewhere, this uh, word or this phrase translated make a joyful noise could just be translated shout. Shout to the Lord. You ever heard a song with that title? Shout to the Lord. Now some of us may say, wait, 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 wait. Shout doesn't seem very honoring to the Lord. Shout, that's a way to praise him. That's a way to thank him. We're always telling our kids to be quiet, right? Shout to the Lord. Well, this is the shout of jubilance. 
Commentators liken this to the homage shout to a king, right? So, so when we're really excited about something, when we're, when we're really moved by something, we let out a burst of emotion, right? We can understand this. You're really excited about something. You're moved to do something. So yes, you've done that before. You have a child who's in sports and they, they do something well in sports. Maybe they play volleyball and they had a great spike or a great block or maybe they play football and they score a touchdown or they make a tackle or they're a basketball player and they, they made a shot or they blocked a shot or they did something on the court. Maybe they fouled out and you're happy about that. I don't know what it was that happened, but something happened. And, or maybe they play soccer and they scored a goal or they blocked a goal kick or something and you just say, yes, you're so excited in the moment. You understand that. Shout to the Lord, right? Because we're so excited about who he is and what he's done, so we praise him. Or maybe you don't have a, 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 a son or a daughter who loves sports and is real athletic, but maybe they love ballet or maybe they love orchestra or band or whatever else it is. And you may not vocalize that shout, but internally there's a, right? Like you're really excited because what happened was awesome. Like they played that solo so great or they, I don't know any ballet terms, so I won't even try to say them, okay? But they spun around really well or they, you know, whatever it is, right? And you just have this like energy, like you're excited about it. You're excited. It's this, it's this shout of joy. That's what, that's what the psalmist is saying. Right? Shout for joy. But he also calls us to serve. Serve the Lord with gladness. Well, it's true, friends, that this term could be understood as worship, right? Serve, worship. Even in the Old Testament, we, we see the connection between serving the Lord, offering sacrifices, and worshiping the one true in God. But it's also important for us to understand that worshiping or praising or thanking the Lord isn't just singing and shouting. Okay, it's not just singing and shouting. It's serving. It's bringing food for a Thanksgiving in gathering to bless other peoples. Because when we serve, and, and friends, it's not like the Lord needs us, right? It's not like we, the Lord depends on us to do something. Like we have to go serve the Lord. Like the pagan gods, they had to go serve their altars in certain ways to make sure that they were okay. But, but our Lord doesn't need us to serve him but we serve him because we love him. And we serve others, we also are, in a sense, praising or serving the Lord. This is what Jesus has to say in the New Testament. He says, look, he says, you've done all these things. You've given a cup of cold water. You've blessed home. You've served the homeless, whatever it is. And when have we done that? Well, when you did to the least of these, you've done it also to me. So there is a sense of serving the Lord, caring for others in his name and for his glory. When we serve others properly motivated by the love of God, we are expressing thanks and praise to him. And this is Romans 12 stuff, right? This is Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And from there, Paul goes on to talk about serving and using your gifts, your spiritual gifts, for the glory of God and the, and the good of the church, right? Do you see it? We are to present our whole bodies as a living sacrifice, our whole being as a living sacrifice to our God, our act of worship, our spiritual giving thanks. Don't miss this. Romans 12 comes on the heels of the first 11 chapters of Romans, which tells us what God is. 
who he is and what he's done. And as a result of that, we, Romans 12, we serve, we give, we love, we exercise the gifts that he has given us in the spirit for his glory and for the good of the church, friends. We serve and we give thanks and we praise out of gratitude for who he is and what he has done. And if we're honest, some of us need to take this to heart. Because sometimes we can fall into the habit of essentially making the worship God of God a rote exercise. Just going through the motions. Or we just come maybe pretty regularly even to church. And we just come and we sit and we sing and we connect with a few people and we have a donut and then we go home and it's, and it's all the same. We've decided or we've deceived ourselves into believing that giving thanks to God and worshiping him doesn't have to cost us anything. Some of us are in that place right now. It doesn't have to cost us anything. We're just here. There's no sacrifice involved. Friends, he's calling us to serve. He's calling us to shout. He's calling us to serve. And the last part of verse two invites us. Yes, beckons us. It's an imperative, come into his presence with singing. And this is closely connected to entering his courts with praise and giving thanks, what we see there in verse five. Now, as an aside, when the church gathers to worship, who are we trying to please? Are we trying to please ourselves? Are we trying to make sure that our specific preferences are met? No, we're not. If the Lord, he is God, and we're coming into his presence, it's not about our preferences. It's not about our desires. It's not about what we want. It's not about what we prefer. It's about humbling ourselves before him to worship him, to praise him, to give thanks for what he has done. Now, to the initial hearers, friends, this was an invitation to worship at the temple, but how much more profound this invitation in light of the finished work of Jesus Christ? How much more profound? Under the old covenant, only the high priest was allowed into the Holy of Holies, which was the presence of God, and only one time a year on the Day of Atonement to make sacrifice for the sin of the people. Sure, come to the courts, come to the outer courts, some of you are of the right descent, so you can come a little further in, but you can't come to the presence of God. You can't come to the Holy of Holies. There was no admittance there. But friends, in Christ, don't we understand this differently? Come into his presence with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Right? We are invited to approach the throne of grace. We're invited to approach the throne of God. Why? To receive help and grace in our times of need. We are invited to personal relationship with him, freedom in Christ. And we know he hears us and he is favorably inclined towards us because he sees us through the finished work, the perfection of Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are children of God, so we thank him and we bless his name. Now, as we prepare to transition to a time of partaking of the Lord's Supper, I want us to spend a few moments in quiet reflection. 
I want to encourage you to survey your life and confess sins of apathy and confess sins of misplaced passion. I want to encourage you to give thanks for his grace. I want to give you, encourage you to praise him for his loving kindness. I want to encourage you to ask the Spirit to make known to you sins that you have like sins of commission, like what you have done, or maybe self-righteousness, or maybe unforgiveness, or maybe, friends, there's hidden sin in your life that no one else knows about, but today you need to confess it to the Lord as sin and turn from it. And I encourage you to commit to worshiping God with your whole being, with all that you are. So take a few moments In a few moments, Casey will invite you to join us in song, and then we will partake of the Lord's Supper.